You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So who's ready for Christmas? Okay. How many of you already have your Christmas shopping done? Really? I'm impressed. That's crazy. Um, and I just have one person to buy for. So it's, uh, I'm still not done. How sad is that? But uh, um, Christ followers celebrate Christmas. The birth of our Savior every year. Um, every year we do this. And there's many family traditions. I know when I was a kid, we always went to my grandparents' house. Um, typically, we lived in Minnesota, and they lived in Michigan, so we'd drive there. Or it's funny, about uh, my, somewhere in elementary school that switched, where they finally moved to Minnesota to be near us. And then about a year later, my dad took a church in Michigan, and so we moved back. And so, but, so then we went to Minnesota for Christmas uh, there in you know, the idea of a Christmas Eve service um, is your tradition. And some families uh, do Advent. And you may have other traditions, making cookies or baking or, or something else, going out looking at uh, uh, Christmas decorations. But there's, there's lots of fun and good food. Um, but for many, it's a lot, a lot of work um, putting it together. Um, how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you already feel stressed um, this Christmas season because of the things that you have to do between now and then. And uh, the reality is because of COVID, this year has its own unique challenges um, as we uh, anticipate and get forward to Christmas. You know, as uh, teaching pastors, we have, uh, we're faced with a unique challenge as well of trying to take a very well-known story that we talk about every year and to bring a fresh perspective to it in a meaningful way. Um, and so as this year, as we're talking about this series, and, and typically there's the weeks leading up to Christmas that we, we, we kind of build uh, towards Christmas Eve. Um, but as we're talking about these next few weeks, the one quest, question that really intrigued us, well, it intrigued me, um, is what did Christmas look like from God's perspective? From his perspective. And... Um, you, know, you have to remember that up until this time in history, God was, for the most part, God was pretty distant. Now, you'd have moments where God would come and speak to an individual and work in their life. You know, you had uh, God with Abraham. Um, and, you know, so they, they had a, a conversation going. But you don't read that God was having that conversation with anyone else at that point in time. Um, we see in the Bible where God talked with Moses. And we see situational instances where God would interact with, with certain people um, for a specific purpose and for a specific season. But overall, by and large, God was in heaven and people were on earth. All of that changed with Christmas. All of that changed in the moment with the birth of Jesus. John 1.14 tells us that at that very moment of his birth, that God lived among us. God lived among us. He was not somewhere in the cosmos. He was here on earth bringing hope and salvation to everyone. I'd like to suggest that the miracle of Christmas is not found in a baby. I would suggest that the miracle of Christmas is found in the incarnation, in the God with us aspect of the birth of the baby. It, was the, it wasn't just a baby but God was here with us. Never again would we be without hope and expectation for our future. In the reading we heard just a few minutes ago, um, 
an angel of the Lord approached Mary and told her that God was going to use her in a way beyond her wildest imagination. I mean, who, dream, who lays in bed at night and dreams and thinks about, hmm, what it would be like to give birth to the Son of God? Um, I mean, it, it, it was such a random, arbitrary thing, right out of the blue. Who actually would think about this? But what I'd like to propose this morning is that because of what happened with Mary, because of Jesus, the Son of God, living amongst us, because of that change in the whole relationship between us and God, I would like to propose this morning that God is still approaching men and women with the same request. Not that they're going to give birth to the Son of God. Rather, he wants to use us, you and me, in ways beyond our wildest imaginations. So I have to ask the question, what miracle might the Holy Spirit want to birth in you and through you during this Christmas season and into next year? I think it's important to remember that Mary didn't choose to be the mother of the Son of God. She didn't submit an application. Um, she didn't apply for the job of, you know, mother to the Messiah. Uh, that wasn't a job description you applied to. She was just going about her day, going through her normal routine, minding her own business when an angel approached her. I really wonder what that looked like. You know, because sometimes it's, we have this image of angels, you know, white and flowing robes and big wings and halos. And, or was it just a, a normal-looking man? Um, we get the sense because it talks to him as male gender. Was it just a normal-looking person that she began to recognize I don't know, I, I wonder, was there physical distinctions there? You've got to wonder, what was Mary thinking? At the same time, Mary didn't apply for this, and this was something that happened to her. Likewise, or similarly, God didn't choose Mary because she won a raffle. She wasn't the winner. Uh, he didn't do a eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by done to find, all right, Mary, you're it. He didn't do anything like that. He didn't have to draw straws among other women. You know, whoever got the straw won. God chose Mary because he saw something in her he could use. Let me say that again. God chose Mary because he saw something in her he could use. So I think the question we all need to ask then, or it's become very obvious, is that when God looked at Mary, what did he see? And I think the answer to that question is critical because I believe with all of my heart that even today, God is looking for men and women he can use for his purposes. So what can we see in Mary that will help us today? A few things. I think God is looking for, first thing is ordinary people. Who can tell me what an influencer is? Anybody besides a millennial? Millennial? Kate, what's an influencer? There is somebody on social media that has a lot of followers. Okay. Okay. So they, their friends list, if on Facebook or on Twitter, they're, they're um, basically, it's, influencers are, are part of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, it's form of marketing in social media. Uh, and so the idea here is that you've got if you're famous for whatever reason, infamous, famous, popular, if you have people following you, and so if you have a Twitter account and you send out tweets, and there's a lot of people who are reading your tweets, 
businesses and, and other companies look at you as a form of marketing. If you can promote their products, that actually is, is, is helpful to them. And so the, the, here's the reality. Some of these influencers out there have millions of followers. Millions of followers. Trump has 88 million followers on his Twitter account. Although I understand he's losing them daily since he lost, well, we're still, I guess we're waiting on that, aren't we? So I'm not going to go down that path. We're really back quick. Um, guess who's number one? Who has number one um, fo- followers in Twitter? Obama. 126 million. 126 million people are interested in what he has to say. So if I'm a company and I can get him to promote my product, pff, that's easy. That's an easy call. Some of these top-tier influencers, and here's the ironic thing. Sometimes, a few months ago, I I have a Twitter account. Last time I sent out a tweet was like 2013, so I just, I don't use it. But I've got, I've got people following me. I don't know why, but there's people following me. I've noticed that that a lot of them were young women, late teens, early 20s. And I think in talking with Kate, it's like, why are these people wanting to follow me on Twitter? is, well, they're influencers because the idea is if they follow you, you're supposed to in turn follow them. So they're just building their clientele list, if you will. Top level influencers can make six and seven figure um, sums of money with one tweet, with one statement, one form of communication can make over a million dollars. Just by saying, hey, you all, you should buy this product. That's how significant But here's the thing. When God chose to bring his son into the world, he didn't hire influencers to announce his coming. He didn't engage in a worldwide marketing strategy. He didn't ask a celebrity to promote his birth. Instead, God chose Mary. She wasn't even from a prominent family. There's no wealth, no power. She didn't live in a large metropolis. In fact, um, one person, uh, one account I read estimated that at that point in time, Nazareth only had about 50, and they learned this from certain excavations that they've deemed to be uh, uh, first century houses, only about 50 in that region, within like a four-acre, five-acre area. So it wasn't very large at all. Yet God chose an unknown, ordinary Jewish teenage girl through whom to birth the miracle of Jesus. We see this time and again in Scripture. God chooses people who are unknown except to family and friends. People just like you and me. In fact, most of the heroes of the Bible had at least one big shortcoming. Moses, full of fear and self-doubt. God had to give him Aaron, uh, his brother, to help him out. Gideon had a terrible self-image. David... His family thought so little of him, his dad didn't even send for him when Samuel came to find and anoint the next king. Peter had a really bad temper, cut off a guy's ear. That's pretty harsh. Thomas, full of doubt. Paul, Paul was responsible for the persecution and death of Christ's followers. Here's what I think we've learned from Mary and from others in Scripture. God is not looking for superstars. He's looking for people whose lives will honor him. Is it possible that God might choose you to work through in the days ahead?
So God isn't looking for ordinary people. God's also looking for humble people. If you've ever been asked to do something you don't want to do, <laughs> like daily, right, for some of us? <clears throat> now, sometimes it's just a temporary inconvenience. You know, it's just it's a little bit of your time. Uh, a number of you, um, most of you actually, if not all of you, have given your time to help here either at the church. Um, some of you have given time and helped me personally. I mean, uh, Jan even came over to the house to help, us, help me install a toilet. Um, I'd never done that before. Now I can do it like nobody's business. So uh, I actually had to refix one, uh, not yours, because yours worked perfectly. A different one <laughs> I had to fix. Uh, but I knew what to do because I had watched Jan do it. And it was great. But that, I'm sure that was like, he's like, oh, great. I used to go to Sam's and help him put in a toilet. So, but sometimes we're asked to do things that are an inconvenience. And it puts us out of our way for a little bit of time. But then we kind of get back on life and we're fine. And, but sometimes, sometimes we're asked to do something that's life-changing. Mary had a life-changing ask. Um, I, some of you remember uh, here earlier, a few months ago, David Berry, one of our pastors in Cornelius, an adult and family ministries uh, pastor in Cornelius. And um, they've raised four kids. They're all out in their own living. Most of them are married now, I think, by this time. And they said, hey, that was fun. Let's do it again. Um, started um, doing foster care and adoption. They've got four, five kids living with them. I think they will take more. Sure, I mean, they had just moved here um, uh, this, a, a year ago, and they were in the hall talking. I think it was Brandy talking with someone. Someone found out about that they had you know, adopted kids. A, a stranger to them walked up and said, hey, you want another one? And I'm not going to go into the details of the situation, but without even... I think when she went to talk to Brandy without even going back to Dave and say, hey, what do you think? She said, absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes the things we're asked to do are really simple. Sometimes the, like, the implications are huge. And the thing we need to remember about God choosing Mary, it's not as if she won the lottery. Her family would not be happy at all with this news. In fact, God had her to do something that had the potential to bring shame on herself and her entire family. And we know for a fact that this news, that this event in her life was controversial because as we'll learn next week when we look at Joseph, Joseph was going to be making plans. As soon as he found out that she was expecting, started making plans to divorce her because he had assumed, well, as most of us would, that she had been unfaithful. And if you remember, in that time, the, the, the marriage, there were two stages. You first had the legal part, the betrothal, which was you were fully married, but the wife still lived with her family. Up to a year to sometimes longer later, they would have this ceremony where she would then go and move, and move in with her husband. It was in between that stage that Mary gets news that uh, she's going to be pregnant with the Son of God. There was going to be a huge huge price to pay if Mary was to go through with it. There were a lot of reasons why the angels', the angels news would have been a bad idea for Mary to even consider. And yet, look at her response. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Later on in Luke, different account of this transaction, she says, I, or he, God, has been mindful of the humble state of a servant and talking about herself. 
Mary knew that if God was asking her to do something, he would provide the means to go through with it. Mary trusted God to see her through the challenges. These days, we typically don't have angels coming up to us and with an offer that we can't refuse. More often than not, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us in a quiet voice, usually in our thoughts. Sometimes it's telling us to, or prompting us, or suggesting to us that we should, we're in a restaurant to tell the server that we want to pay for the lunch for the family over on the other side. Or you see your neighbor out in their yard and there's this prompting that you should go out and talk to them to find out how their spouse is doing, how they're recovering from their recent surgery. Or maybe it's a prompting to give money anonymously. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is looking for humble people willing to give of themselves for the benefit of others. The humble posture before God opens our lives to the grace and favor of God. We see that clearly in Mary. It keeps us dependent on God, which is always a good thing. And it reminds us to give God the glory rather than to seek glory of others. So God is looking for ordinary people. God is looking for humble people. And lastly, from Mary, we can see that God is looking for available people. I did a Google search last night, just because I was curious. I typed in the words, what if Mary said no? 821 million hits on that. So I didn't read all of them. Um, I only read a couple. But one was really interesting. One guy kind of projected what that conversation might look like. And he was, he was doing it to make a point. So I'll get it. But here's what he said. I thought it was very interesting. And Mary said to the angel, are you kidding me? No way. She would never assent to being the mother of the son of a son before whom she must kneel. Mother of God? No, that's too much. She had other plans for her life and firmly committed to her enduring motto, you just do you. Now their point, again, their attempt was to be humorous, but their point was that Mary was not a robot. She had emotions, she had feelings, she understood the implications of what was being asked of her. And she had the freedom to say no. She did. We all have that choice of being able to say no, of, of resisting, of, or if not outright rejecting what we feel God's speaking to us. And instead she said, okay, let's go for it. Well, actually she said, may it be, she said it more spiritually, she said, may it be to me as you have said. I really wish we knew more about Mary's life before this moment. Specifically, I wonder what she prayed about at night. Being Jewish and being from a devout family, we can assume that she prayed. And, but I wonder what that looked like for her, what she thought about when she went to bed and, you know, just before she fell asleep. And I wonder if she ever prayed something like, God, use me. That's a very dangerous prayer. God, use me. What we can see in the life of Mary is that God might very well use someone who prays such a prayer. So my challenge to us this morning is to pray that prayer. Are you willing to pray that prayer? God, use me. God does not need our ability. What he desires is our availability. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much for the life of Mary. And as we reflected on her this morning and what that looked like and the dynamics involved and the social family implications, God, are huge. And sometimes we, we forget. She was just a, a, a young teenager. And yet she was being asked to do something that was beyond comprehension, that would, in some ways, those looking outside could destroy her life. But God, in the midst of it, she said, okay, she trusted you. What an amazing place to be. Father, we're just so very grateful for the hope and the peace that you can get that's available to you. When we surrender our lives to you, the things that you do to acknowledge your work in our life. And Father, my desire is that in the days ahead as we're coming up to Christmas, that we would continue to surrender our life to you. And like Mary, we would be brave enough to say the prayer, God, use me. God, use me however you want. God, may we do that, may we say that prayer not with fear and trepidation, but with hope and expectation. Knowing that there's something amazing in front of us. Even if we don't know what it is now, God, I'm convinced that you desire to use us in ways that we don't even comprehend. And so, Father, here now in this moment, give us the courage to pray that prayer. Lord, may we have that conviction as we live out each day in the days ahead. And Father, may this Christmas season be one that's filled with hope and expectation and joy. And Lord, not full of fear and anxiety and stress and pressure. Lord, help us to uh, let it go and give it to you. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, this morning before service, Dave, I'm going to ask if you want to come up and share that now. Is that all right? Um, before the service this morning, we always meet um, in the nursery just to go through the service and make sure logistically what's what's happening. And I, I tend to like to ask the question, are any God senses? Any of you sensing what God is doing? And immediately, um, uh, Michael shared this idea what God has been pressing on him this week about give it, was, give it to God, right? Give it to God was the word. And Cameron, all of us in the room just resonated with what that was saying. And then... Um, you know, just with what the Horn family shared about lighting the Advent candle this morning. And, and then Dave came up to me before this I think God is speaking to me as well. And it, it all just clicked. And so I just thought it would be beneficial if, if uh, you would go ahead and share what that looks like here in the next few minutes. Okay, I'm going to add one thing to that, which is an exclamation point on what you said today about doing what the Lord calls us to do. Um, it's not easy for me to get up in front of people and speak. My wife will tell you I'm probably the world's biggest introvert. Um, sometimes I hide it, but it's part of my personality. So I'm just saying that it is so true. We sometimes just sit back and we don't do what the Lord tells us to do. But we just need to step out in faith. Amen. Amen. So even this morning, as usual, when I get something from the Lord, I question it, I think about it, I pray about it. And then I came in this morning and 
I asked Janet, well, what are the songs today? What's the theme? Because I'm looking for a confirmation. Because I'm looking for an excuse not to get up and talk. So I knew that what I heard from the Lord was something I needed to share. So probably for the last week or two, I've been pressing into the Lord about being in his presence and lack of peace for me, for the church, and just saying, Lord, we need that peace so desperately. And he began to take me into a vision, and I saw this massive storm. It was like a, a just a massive hurricane. It was chaos and confusion and torrential rains. It was terrible, and people were just frantic. But then suddenly my attention was drawn to a circle of people in the middle of the storm, in the eye of the hurricane. And when I looked at them, they had peace. They were smiling. They were full of joy. I said, Lord, what? tell me, what is this all about? He said, these are the ones who have learned to abide in my presence. They are the ones who have learned to turn off and mute all the false voices, all the false prophets of Baal that are shouting, all the wind and the confusion and the chaos, they are the ones that have learned to listen to me. And he's invited us all into that place. Listen, listen to the roar of his voice to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. When his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. So I believe today the Lord is inviting us to step in to the eye of the storm. To take our eyes off the chaos and the confusion. And to put our eyes on Him and Him alone. For He is where our peace and our joy come from. And I see those who will willingly step into the eye of the storm will suddenly cast off all those cares all those worries, all the confusion. Oh, Lord. And I can even see now those who really enter into that place. Will put themselves on the altar and they will call down the fire from heaven. And they will say, Lord, I am the sacrifice. Let me be the burning one for you. So today he calls you into his presence. It's there for everyone, says the Lord. Thank you, Dave. I think as part of our closing time here, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. Um, but I'm gonna pray for those who um, are struggling with this idea of peace and right now in this in this season and if, if God is speaking to you, I'm just going to pray and believe that this is your moment, that God is going to release you of some things you're carrying. Uh, but I think it's also important that we give it to him. So as I pray, 
just actually verbally, just say, God, I give this to you. Whatever, if you can identify what that is, just say, God, I give, whether it's a person, whether it's a situation or circumstance, give it to God uh, here this morning. Heavenly Father, as we're ending our time here together this morning, just very conscious that you're still working. You're still working, Lord God, in this room. Father, I am so grateful that you never stop working. Even even when the final benediction is given and we leave, Father, you're still working in our lives. So Father, my prayer is that as you've begun something in some of our hearts here this morning, that it would continue, Lord God, as we would be on our way this afternoon, as we get home into this week. Lord, through this Christmas season, God, into next year, Father, that we would have your peace. Lord, that we have the ability to whatever is weighing us down, whatever burdens we might be carrying, that we can give them to you and not take them back, but give them to you and trust you with the outcome of whatever that is. Father, you are trustworthy. And I can't imagine the emotion Mary felt of being overwhelmed with with the circumstance that was facing her. But in the midst of that, look what happened. Because she said yes, because she gave her, in, in essence, she gave away her rights her, and some of her freedoms to be honored or to honor you. Lord, may we have that same ability to give to you. May we have that peace. Lord, we give them to you now. In Jesus' name I pray. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.